Good morning. How's our church? Yeah, good. So this morning, I get the uh, pleasure of wrapping up our Greater Than series, and uh, it's been been quite the experience to go through, and um, I know how much I've actually gotten out of just studying the book myself. You know, I, I've read it so many times, but to really just dive in and just study along, and, and, and you get so much more out of, I get more out of it than when I do preaching, that's for sure. Um, so I want to go back a little bit. Um, the last few weeks, um, we've gone through chapter 10, and, or excuse me, all through the first 10 chapters, and we, we talked about um, Jesus being better. And if we go back to just chapter 1, at the very beginning, it talks about how Jesus is superior to the angels. It just dives right in, talking about how he's the exact representation of God. And if we keep going, and then you get into chapter 3, he's better than Moses. 4 and 5, he's better than any high priest. Uh, chapter 8, he's a better covenant. Uh, chapter 10, he's a better sacrifice. And so... Um, we can go through that whole first 10 chapters and understand that Jesus is, in fact, greater than anything else. And what was nice is Kurt did a really good job last week of going through and talking about our faith and our endurance. And, and the reason we need to keep that faith and that endurance so we can continue running the race. Well, today what we're going to talk about is chapter 13 as we close this series off. And we're going to talk about... What exactly is the race? And what is it we're doing as we go? And in chapter 13, it gives us a great instruction on how it is we are to be as a person, what that endurance looks like. But for me, what I got most out of this was, what does our faith actually look like? It is the most important thing, I think, for us is when we're out and about and what it is that we're doing does our faith show up? Does our faith show up with who we are and our character as we go about our normal lives? And we can start right here in chapter 1, or excuse me, in chapter 13, verse 1. It says, keep on loving one another as your brothers and sisters. And we could put that into context for you, and what that actually means is what the, what the, the writer is saying is, there are new brothers and sisters in Christ. In this time period, these people were being shunned out of their homes. They were being just, they were martyred, they were tortured, and their own families didn't want them. So what the author is trying to do here is remind other Christians that have been Christians to say, hey, we need you to love on your brothers and your sisters. They're new. It's, we are their family. And it's just like every single person here is when we get someone new through the doors, we love on them when they're new through the doors and we get to know them and, and, and it's great because that's what Redwood does really well. But what often happens is we don't see them throughout the week. We don't see that home life that it is that they're going through. And what happens is when they give themselves to Christ, I know for my own self, what had happened was I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of people in my life. They didn't want anything to do with me anymore because I didn't do what they were doing anymore. And our young people today fight that very, very harshly. In our high schools and college, uh, when kids get into smoking pot, they hang out with kids that smoke pot. 
and they become best friends with those kids that smoke pot. But you know what happens? They decide, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Christ, I want to live for you. Those kids want nothing to do with them anymore. And that happens even as adults. If you were going into bars or anything like that, what happens is you don't want to go into those bars anymore. Well, those people don't want you over anymore if you're not going to drink with them. They don't want, you kind of get shunned. Of course, it wasn't quite the extent as it was here, but at the same time, it's still lonely. So it's really important for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to love, just as it's saying here, one another for Christ. And if you guys, a lot of you guys already know, but in 1 Corinthians 13, this gives us a, a very valuable lesson in love and how it is that we are to love. And it's verse 4, it starts there. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always weighs hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. So that's what the author is trying to get us to do, is to treat people and love people exactly the way it says in 1 Corinthians. We need to do that. If you, and go into the next verse, in verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. And I love this part here as it says, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to start that. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. How cool is that to think about? I mean, really, that, that to me was like, wow, I could have possibly given a couple bucks to an angel just now and didn't even know it. I could have just given a hot cup of coffee to an angel and I didn't even know it. I could have just given a couple bucks or a hot cup of coffee to a new Christian and didn't know it. So when we are to show hospitality to others and we're showing love to strangers, what does that look like? Is our faith showing up? Is our faith in Christ showing up? There's a story, uh, a young lady, she was in the supermarket, and she was paying for her groceries, and as she was paying for her groceries, they ring her all up, and everything got bagged, and then she realizes she was $12 short. And so what happened was she's like, well, I'll just, I'll just put a couple of these things back. I didn't bring enough money, you know, and the guy behind her hands her a 20. And he, she says, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to put you out. And he's like, well, let me tell you a quick story. Every day I go to the hospital where my mom is dying from cancer and I buy her flowers every day. And my mom told me, quit wasting your money on these flowers. Do something useful with it. So the guy says, you're not putting me out. Here's my mom's flowers. It's hospitality. Being kind to strangers, not giving it a benefit without you. I'm guilty of it. I've been standing in line. I was like, come on, hurry up. And then they don't have enough money and they got to put it back. It would have been easy for me to give 12 bucks, but usually what I do is gripe about it. Right? So how are we showing hospitality to strangers? Have you, when's the last time you invited someone over for dinner that you didn't know yet? We have a lot of new faces in our church almost every week now. And I want to encourage you guys to show hospitality towards them because, one, they are a stranger because you don't know them. 
but soon enough you will get to know them, then they become your, your brother or your sister, which you're also still supposed to love. It's continuous. It's a continuous process. I've never met anyone in prison, and I want to tell you the context of this real quick, but in verse 3 it says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were there with them in prison. So what was happening at this time period, people were being thrown in prison for being Christian. Okay, They were being persecuted and thrown in jail. And what the author is doing is saying, remember these people as if it were you. Keep your faith the same as what these people are doing. Like I said, I don't know anyone in prison, and I don't know anyone in prison that's been thrown there for their, their um, belief system in Christ. I know it happens overseas a lot more than America, but I want to, I can't stress enough, pray for them. Pray for those people, just as if it was you or someone in your family, because they are your church body. Even if they're not in Redwood, they're still your church body. But here in America, we have our, our, our prisons are full. And those guys, and, and women for that matter, weren't necessarily thrown in prison for their beliefs. Well, maybe it was their beliefs, but it weren't quite right. But aren't they still worth prayer? God still created them. Whether they've given their life to Christ or not yet, that's not the point. We need to pray and hope that they do, that their way of thinking changes, that their faith grows. So how does your faith show up when you're praying for people in prison or when you're, sh- when you're shopping or, or you're doing something in town and you're meeting strangers all the time? How does your faith show up when you're standing on the side of the road and your car broke down and then when you got out of the car to look at it, you locked your keys in the car and your phone? Are you out there kicking your tire so when everyone goes by and they see that Jesus freak on the back of your window and you're kicking your tire? How does that work? When does your faith actually show up? Verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. I can't stress enough on this one. Christians, you want to fight the battle of divorce? Keep your bedroom holy. Have your faith show up in your home. Men, and it starts with you. And I got to tell you, if you are cheating on your spouse, if you are looking at porn, or you're treating your spouse badly, it's not that you're not in love with your spouse anymore. You're not in love with Jesus anymore. Big difference. You aren't in love with Jesus anymore if you are doing that in your home. And for the love of Jesus Christ, I want to say stop. And for his kingdom, I want to say stop. And for your children, I want to say stop. Let your faith show up and lead your family. Verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. <laughs> Boy, that's America, isn't it? Oh, that one. Whew. For me, I think if we get to this point, 
especially as Christians, then you can just go ahead and wash those first 10 chapters out because Jesus is obviously not enough for you. He's obviously not greater than money for you. If you were still tracing, or excuse me, chasing the so-called American dream of what it is now in today's culture, the American dream, you know, back in the early 1900s was get a cute little house with a car and a family. You know, just own it. The American dream has been perverted, folks. You got to have the biggest house with the best car, the biggest bank account, a yacht, Something, you got to have a toy for every season. It's been perverted. And it's time that our faith show up with our finances and be content with where we are. We must be content with what he has given us. And I'm not saying it's not okay to have nice things or a nice home or a nice car. It is perfectly okay with that. But don't let that turn into your idol. Do not let that turn into your God. Your kids are watching and your grandkids are watching as well. And if we can make the difference of showing them that we are content and what it is that we are given and what we've been blessed with, that's going to reflect on down to them, to the next generation. Verse 6. Just the very beginning here. It says, so we say with confidence. I love this. So we can say with confidence on who Jesus is. Just before that, it says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And just after that, it says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Everything that we do and everywhere that we go in all faucets of our life, he is there. He will never leave us and he will help us through it. I've heard all too much people say, God won't give you more than you can handle. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I think that's a fib. I think God will give you more than you can handle because he wants you to rely on him and you can say with confidence that he is your helper and he is going to get you through it. He wants us to go and rely on him. So how is your faith going to show up when you're around others and you need help? Are you going to be willing to say you need a hand? Are you going to be willing to say that God is with me through this? The most horrid time in your life, are you going to say God is with me right now? He is getting me through this? I have seen this done so well through Redwood. I've seen so many people littered in cancer. The most horrible pain in their life. From the spouse that's losing the loved one or the family losing the loved one or the person actually going through the cancer. I've seen it in this church and it's wonderful to watch. It's wonderful to watch the people with their head up and say, you know what? God is getting me through this. Whether I fall this way or I go this way. He is my shepherd and he is there to help me through that. So how is your faith going to show up through the trial? This next portion talks about leadership. The first part was fellowship. Now we're going to get into leadership. Verse 17, it says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to the authority because they kept watch over those as those who must give an account. 
Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be a no benefit to you. What was happening is, these guys were going around preaching. They didn't have the New Testament yet. But they were going out. Their faith showed up. Their faith was going around letting folks know, knowing that they could be persecuted at any moment. They had to live by example all the time. Constantly living in the spotlight and show Christ. That was their job, to show Christ. In verse 7 it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and, and imitate their faith. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the reason I'm bringing that up is in verse 17 it says to submit to your leaders. And then in verse 7 it says to imitate your leaders. And the leaders he's talking about right now in our day and age is our pastor Kurt. Our shepherds. We have to trust that God put them here for the betterment of his church. He is our overseer. He was brought in in October as our overseer of this church. And, and a fresh new mind and fresh new ideas that was given to him by God. And we need to support him. And, and the next part is going into verse 18. And it says, pray for us. And he's talking about the leaders. We need to pray for that young man back there. We need to pray for him. We need to pray for his family. Because I can tell you, I've witnessed it already in the short time he's been here. He is getting attacked, folks. You know why? Because he's doing something right. He's doing it right. Our shepherds are doing it right. And I want to encourage everyone in here to just rally around them and pray for them and just lift them up. And do not make their jobs a burden, but help it to be a joy. That's what we do because you know what? They're the closest thing to Christ. It is a hard burden to carry constantly all the time to be like Christ, especially as a human, a sinner. But yet he is carrying that weight and we know that he's in the spotlight and we can see everything he's going to do wrong. But folks, he's human. Let's remember that. But let's lift him up and let him, his job be a joy. And this church will grow for Christ. That's what it's all about. The last part I want to talk about out of this chapter is our worship. Starting in verse 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. What they're talking about is Jesus is a new tabernacle. He is our new altar. We need to go to him and worship Where's our faith? Is our faith showing up to worship? And I'm not talking about singing this morning. That's a piece of it. Then there's the message. And then there's the going home. What does our worship look like with the new altar while we're driving, while we're shopping, while we're home alone? Are we doing things on the internet we shouldn't be doing or are we reading his word? Where are we at? Verse 11 and 12. The high priest 
He's a better high priest. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the, excuse me, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. In verse 13, this is like the final plea. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have the enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Folks, is our faith showing up, showing that he suffered for us? Do we truly believe that he died? The day of atonement happened. Do we believe it? Is our faith showing that we believe that Christ did that for us on a daily basis. That to me is the most important part in here. And then when we know that, we go back and we love other people enough to say, Jesus has died for you. This isn't the point where we go and we snub our nose at people and say, oh, you know what? We're Christian. We're better. I know that I'm, I'm saved. This isn't the, that point. That point never shows up because then Jesus isn't enough because you just now put yourself above him. No one is better. We're saved. Share that. Share that with others. I read this the other day and it just really played a great part in all of this. And it's in 1 John chapter 5. Starting with verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burdensome. Those commands was to love him and love your neighbor. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. We have to start acting like this is a victory. Just like he was talking about last week, run the race. Well, what is running the race? How do you win the race? By knowing who died for you and willing to share that to others. That brings Victory. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So I want to talk this morning. This is how I'll close. Is what are you doing in your life right now in this church? What are you doing in your life right now with your family? What are you doing with your community? What are you doing while you're out in public? Does your faith show up? Where are your motives right now? Are your motives intertwined with your selfish motives and your old self? This was what was happening in Hebrews. It was easy to take that step back 
Get off the fence, folks. Do not let your own selfish desires and your own ways get intertwined with the ways of Jesus. He has a plan for you. It's very easy for us to go, you know, God, this is what I'm going to do today. Can you bless it? It happens. It's really simple. Oh, Lord, I got to go here today. Can you bless that? I have this great idea. Lord, can you make it happen? No. It's time to stop. That, that needs to stop. It's, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Guarantee you'll bless it. Lord, what is it you want me to do in our church? Lord, where can I serve? I want to serve you. What do you want me to do? Get your old self out of the way. Because it's really easy, folks, to add our, our old self in with what he's wanting. It's really, really easy to do. That's when the bickering starts. That's when we start complaining about things. And I'm not talking just church. I'm talking about our lives. It's very easy to become a woe is me. I don't feel well. I'll poor me. You know, and if you're not feeling well, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying it's easy to fall into that. Where are our motives for Christ? I want to encourage everyone in here to think about this last chapter. That's telling you what the race is. What is your life plan from this point out as a Christian? What is your plan? Does your plan start with Jesus? When you serve, is it for serving Jesus? When you go give money, is it to serve Jesus? Or are you just wanting the return? Where does your motives lie when you love your brother and sister? Are you doing that so you can get a thank you and a pat on your back? Because if you're doing that, Jesus isn't enough. Are you loving on strangers in the store and giving them money, kind of like what happened to that young lady, so you can get people notice? Because if you are, Jesus isn't enough. Are you telling all your friends and family that you're praying every single day for everybody in prison just so they go, man, way to go, good job. Proud of you. If so, you're doing it for the wrong reason. What's your family look like at home? What does that relationship with your wife look like? Is it for her to lift a betterment up for her for the love of Jesus Christ? Or are you holding that person down? Because if you are, Jesus isn't enough. Be confident in the Lord always. Live by faith, not by sight. Let that faith show up so everyone in this world knows you love Jesus because it's Jesus and what he did for you. No selfish motives involved. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your outline that you give us. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, 
Because without it, we're just, we're going to fail. We have failed, Lord. We want you. And we want you just because of who you are. We love you because you loved us. And you love us. Lord, I just pray that everyone can look at these scriptures and know exactly what it is we're supposed to do on a daily basis for others. No questions asked, just because you said so. Lord, we love you so much, and I thank you. Thank you for giving me a way to keep the faith. Thank you for giving me a way to have endurance on a daily basis with your word and that time alone that we get with you. Thank you for allowing us into the holiest of holies and tearing that veil so that way we can have that relationship. Lord, and I just pray over this congregation this morning that that relationship can just blossom and be all about you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.